welcome to DBT episode two. Today I want to talk about knowing your vulnerability factors. And this is really important because when we maybe are we're not feeling well, we're feeling sick, maybe our diet is not so great, maybe we're using drugs or alcohol, we haven't had a good night's sleep. Uh, we're feeling isolated. Maybe we don't have a healthy support system. Uh, maybe we're feeling disrespected. There are all kinds of vulnerability factors to consider. And the reason it's important to understand your vulnerability factors is because you're going to understand how to apply the DBT tools when your vulnerability factors are high. Okay, so a lot of times certain things trigger us, and we've talked about triggers before, feeling disrespected, feeling ignored, um, feeling devalued, um, you're hungry, you don't feel well, you're, you're drunk, or you're high, um, not getting enough sleep, or, or even oversleeping, and then you wake up with that sleep hangover, you're just not as functional as you could be. So on the days that your vulnerability factors are very high and there are stressful situations, it's it's important to understand how to manage those stressful situations. So last in the last episode we talked about the acronym accepts. Um so this is following up to that. We want to create a life that's worth living, set goals to making that our reality. Um, and creating a life worth living is essentially defining your values and setting some boundaries around those things and and creating some goals to get yourself to where you want to be. So today let's talk about knowing your vulnerability factors and jot some down, you know, when you're sick, are you grumpy? Uh, are you know of course you're grumpy you're less logical you're not feeling well so that could be one uh, not having a balanced healthy diet maybe you've been eating a ton of junk food you've been ordering out lately a lot and um, you're just feeling sluggish you have heartburn you're tired your your body's just out of whack um, if you of course if you're using substances or alcohol alcohol or drugs um, you're vulnerable because your emotional regulation is low and your inhibition filter is low and it's easy to put yourself in harm's way, think of harming yourself or others or or just more vulnerable to any triggers that you have on a normal basis. If you're not sleeping, that's pretty self-explanatory. When you don't get enough sleep, you wake up in the morning after two hours of sleep or a very restless night of sleep and you're just you have a brain fog that you have to live through for the day and you might forget things you might drop things you might uh, not be putting in a hundred percent effort at work and um, you know that will definitely cause some stress for you because people will be pointing out you look tired or are you sick or why didn't you get those reports in on time? You're, you're really slacking today. And then you go home and there's dishes piled up and laundry piled up and uh, 
the yard needs to be mowed and you, you're, you're just so tired. You just sit back and you don't feel productive and you don't feel useful. And then you start having those negative self-talk ruminations. So that's a definite vulnerability factor. Um, when you're feeling isolated, you feel like you have nobody to turn to. And you're just trying to deal with all the stressors of life by yourself. That's a huge vulnerability factor. Anything and everything could trigger you at that point because you just feel like you have no support. Um, and sedentary lifestyle, you know, if you're if you're not getting any exercise whatsoever, you're not going out and doing anything ever. You just stay at home and sit around and. Or maybe you work in an office and you sit at your desk eight hours a day and you're vulnerable to physical ailments, illness, stress. You, you won't handle stress as well. So those are some examples given here on the worksheet. How many have you jotted down and how many other vulnerability factors can you think of? Maybe being hungry and having skipped breakfast and you're super hungry. Um, it's like those commercials of the hangry people that eat a Snickers of all things. Um, but it, it kind of makes a good point because when we're very hungry, we're more vulnerable to lashing out at people or having a crying jag. Um, it's important to make sure that you do a body scan and look at if you're hungry, if you're tired, if you're, you know, what do you need in the moment? Do that before you decide to react. That's one fascinating tool that works. So think about some goals that you can set to manage or improve at least one of your vulnerability factors. You may have one or two of these. You may have all of these. So it's important that we set a goal for that. And as always, if you want this packet of worksheets to go through as your own personal workbook, you know where to contact me. Um, so the next page goes straight into mindfulness, and this is one of the first lessons we need to learn in DBT. Mindfulness is being aware of the present moment on purpose without judgment, rejection, or attachment. So you're non-judgmentally immersing yourself into whatever it is that you're doing. And um, I have a, an episode called Mindfulness 101 where I give the examples of, you know, you could be mindfully doing the dishes. You could be mindfully brushing your teeth. You could be mindfully reading a book. There are a lot of ways that you can practice mindfulness every day. Even by washing your hands, you can practice mindfulness. So when you're practicing mindfulness, you want to focus all of your attention on what you choose rather than being driven by and having emotions, thoughts, and experiences control you. Some of the goals in mindfulness include increasing happiness, reducing suffering, increasing control of your mind versus emotions controlling you. So this is an emotion regulation. Um, and experiencing reality as it is. Learning radical acceptance instead of being upset you're, you're accepting reality as it is, and it's, it reduces so much stress. 
So answer a few questions here to start you on your pathway to being aware, awake, and attentive. The three A's, the triple A, aware, awake, and attentive. What is your goal for mindfulness? And how can you put this goal into practice? It's important to practice mindfulness daily and be patient with yourself. It takes time. It takes practice. Develop a practice that works for you. And when you venture away into mindlessness, just gently bring yourself back. So what is mindlessness? Um, Have you ever grabbed a bag of Lay's potato chips and sat down and started watching something on TV? And before you know it, you've eaten the whole bag of chips. So you are mindlessly eating. Or when you drive to work on the same route every day, you're mindlessly driving to work. You have it memorized. You're not really paying a lot of attention. You're just getting from point A to point B. Um, Brushing your teeth every day with your dominant hand. You're mindlessly brushing your teeth. So how do you switch that? Take a different route to work where you have to pay attention and challenge yourself further by not using your GPS. Uh, Brushing your teeth, use your non-dominant hand. Train yourself to use your non-dominant hand to brush your teeth. Um, And when you're eating chips, you might want to read the bag if you're worried about nutrition or if you're worried about your weight or you're trying to be more healthy in general. Read the back of the bag. Read how how much cholesterol is in there, how many carbs are in there, um, how much trans fat is in there per serving and then give yourself one serving of the chips on a plate or in a bowl and then put the bag of chips away and take the plate or the bowl in with you and then mindfully eat the chips meaning that rather than just putting them in your mouth and saying yum yum crunch crunch you're going to look at the chip you're going to smell the chip you're going to feel the texture of the chip in your fingers and then you'll place it on your tongue and crunch into it and hold it on your tongue for a moment and really describe the flavors that you taste on your tongue. And then you chew it up and swallow it and pay close attention to how it feels to chew it, how the texture of the chip changes as you're chewing it and what it feels like to swallow it. So you give yourself that mindful moment chip by chip while you're watching your show. And you will eat the chips a lot slower, probably enjoy them a little more. And you're not eating a whole bag, but rather just one serving. So those are some ideas for mindfulness. I also have more ideas on my episode called Mindfulness 101. And I encourage you to check that out as well. Okay, so tips for mindfulness practice. Practice anytime, anywhere while doing anything. Some ideas for mindfulness practice. Be mindful of your body movements. Pay attention to nature. Take a walk and and look at the flowers that are blooming. Look at the trees. Look at how the sun shines through the leaves of the trees. Look at the bark of the trees. Get barefoot. Do a little earth grounding. Get barefoot. Put your feet in the grass or in the dirt and tell yourself how it feels. Do a body scan. Breathing in a color and breathing out a color. (coughs) So this practice is you think of a healing color or you think of your favorite color 
and you want to breathe that color in. Imagine you're breathing in that color. And when you exhale, imagine that you're breathing out a color that represents stress, anger, anxiety, and continue using the deep breathing method of four seconds in through the nose, holding your breath and exhaling from your mouth for four seconds. And imagine, visualize the colors. Um, Coloring mandalas. (laughs) I always pronounce that word wrong. I apologize. Mandelas, mandalas. Um, Coloring those with colored pencils or gel pens um, is very relaxing and it takes a lot of in the moment thinking. So that's a great way to practice mindfulness. Deep breathing, of course. Progressive muscle relaxation. And I believe I do have an episode that fully explains what that is, but it's basically going from the top of your head to the tips of your pretty little toes or from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. And you want to do a little body scan and kind of flex every muscle group as you inhale, flex one muscle group at a time, like you would flex your toes and and push your toes out like a ballerina. And then as you exhale, you would relax your feet. And then you would flex your calves on the inhale and exhale and relax your calves. And then your thighs, your glutes, your abs, all the way up to the top of your head. And practicing that helps you to train your body that when I breathe this way, you're going to relax. And it also helps to reduce tension in certain areas where there may be muscle tension. Meditation, of course, is fantastic, a fantastic mindfulness practice. And um, meditation is pretty easy. You can do a guided meditation or hypnosis from this podcast or others. There are guided um, meditations and hypnoses on YouTube. Um, or you can simply meditate by just doing the deep breathing with your eyes closed and focusing on the sound of your breath and focus on the feelings in your body and the idea is to clear your mind as much as possible so as the thoughts come and go you don't attach you don't hold on to them you don't judge them you just observe the thought and acknowledge it and then let it go kind of like a balloon in the air or a cloud passing by and just sitting there with that nice quiet space And uh, prayer, praying is is always a wonderful mindfulness practice if you're um, somebody who prays. That time uh, of your prayer and that connection of you and your higher power is mindful and you're not ruminating on nervous or stressful thoughts in that moment. So write down some of the ideas that you would like to use for mindfulness practice. And make sure you track your daily experiences with mindfulness. Try to do at least three mindfulness activities this week. And write down how it felt for you and what you thought of it. So uh, in order to log it, this this is the best and most recommended way, okay? You'll write down how your emotions were prior to practicing the mindfulness exercise. You'll rate your stress level from zero to 10, zero meaning none and 10 meaning 
the most stress you can think of. Then you'll write down how you felt after practicing the mindfulness exercise. And then you will also rate your stress level again after the mindfulness exercise. So that's a good way to write it down in your journal or your notebook. Write down emotions prior to starting, stress level 0 to 10 before starting, emotions after starting, and stress level 0 to 10 after and then just write, you know, if, if something really dramatically reduces the stress, a particular mindfulness exercise, keep doing that because that's the one that's working for you, okay? So we have the um, whole body muscle tensing and relaxing, which is progressive muscle relaxation that I just talked about. Um, we have the 444 breathing that I talk about all the time. You're counting to four. One, two, three, four. While you inhale through your nose. One, two, three, four. As you hold your breath and you want to make sure your belly button has expanded out so that you're filling your lungs with air completely. And then as you exhale, you might go beyond four seconds. Sometimes it can be six or eight, but you want to slowly exhale from your mouth. Make sure you're doing a, deep, a big deep sigh or, or blowing. The sigh can kind of sound like ocean waves. And when you're blowing, it sounds kind of like there's a breeze coming by. Imagine slowly trying to blow on a candle that's arm length away from you. And you don't want to blow the candle out. You want to make the flame flicker just like that. So that's, that's one way. Um, and then the sigh is kind of like you inhale, you hold it, and then see how that kind of sounds like an ocean wave. And there are other um, there are others on here as well on this worksheet. Alternating your nostrils, so you can close the right nostril with your right thumb. Inhale slowly through your left nostril. Then close your left nostril with your right index finger to open the right nostril by removing the right thumb. Exhale very slowly through the right nostril. Then draw in air through the right. Exhale slowly through the left. And you can do 12 rounds of that. Um, And then the complete breath is where you inhale completely into the abdomen. You continue inhaling by filling your midsection completely. Your whole diaphragm is just extended with air. And you continue to inhale, filling up your chest. So you want to fill up your abdomen first and keep inhaling until the chest is full. And then you systematically release and empty from the upper portion to the midsection and finally at the abdomen. So that type of inhale would mean... You're inhaling like the four-second breath, but you inhale a little bit more and fill up the chest. And then when you exhale, you drop your chest, and then you exhale completely where your belly button sucks into your spine. That's a, a very nice breathing technique as well. And then let's take a really quick break, and uh, I will come right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, 
That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, so here is the next one, the next tool I want to share with you. Loving kindness wishes for yourself and others. So you will list four or five wishes for others and four or five wishes for yourself. I wish you love. I wish you success. I wish you healing. I wish you self-acceptance. Whatever the wish, the loving kindness wish you would like to wish for yourself and others. So whatever you write down for yourself, you're going to wish it for others as well. And you'll start by wishing for somebody you love. So write down somebody you love and you'll wish loving kindness four to five wishes for that person. And then I want you to think about somebody that is a difficult person in your life. Maybe you have a bully boss or maybe you have a narcissistic spouse or whatever it is. Think of that person who's just really difficult for you and you will send them four or five loving wishes the same ones you just sent to somebody you love. And then third, at, at the last of the list, you will wish it for yourself as well. So whatever wishes you write, you're going to wish for someone you love, for someone who's difficult, and for you. And that is a mindful moment. And you're putting positivity out into the world. So that's a very valuable mindfulness technique. And it also switches your perception. It's a good one to do in the mornings because it kind of switches your perception for the day if you wake up using that negative filter and you send out wishes of loving kindness. It kind of sets a a more positive precedent for the day for you. Okay, moving forward. Defining your values. Your values are things that you believe are important in the way you live and work. They determine your priorities, and deep down, they're probably the measures you use to tell if your life is turning out the way you want it to be. If you are living a life worth living, you are following your values. So ask yourself what your values are. You might value honesty. You might value financial success. You might value friendships, family, good food, um, health and nutrition, respect, um, integrity, um, having fun, having a sense of humor, whatever you can think of. And if you need some ideas and you're feeling stumped, I do have a worksheet that has a whole list of values on it. The whole page is filled up with examples of different values. So if you're stumped on that, just let me know and I can get that worksheet to you ASAP, okay? So write down some of your values and then write down what actions or steps you need to take to ensure that you stick to your values. So this is where you set a boundary with yourself and this is where DBT tools are going to come in quite handy for you. And the next page is relationship goals. So think about what your relationship goals are. Ask yourself 
and identify what kind of relationships you want in your life and then what kind of relationships you currently have in your life and kind of write out what the barriers are to having the relationships that you want and what kind of skills can you use to break through those barriers. As we move forward and I I present more and more of the DBT tools, you can go back to this page that you're writing on and you can write down some of the skills that you want to use to break through those barriers. So that's another set of goals. And I'm going to end this episode on emotions and opposite action. This is a fantastic DBT tool. And when you first begin practicing it, it's not easy. It's going to take time. But, you know, if you want to run a marathon, it takes a heck of a lot of training. You can't just go for a jog one morning and be prepared, right? You have to practice. You have to practice and practice and practice. So... Um, emotions and opposite action. If you are feeling sad, you want to just be alone and stay in bed. That's kind of your urge. Um, you want to use the opposite action, get up, make your bed and go be around others. Be active instead. If you're angry and you feel like yelling or attacking or being judgmental, The opposite action is to be extra kind, use no judgments, and gently avoid what's pissing you off. If you're frustrated, you might feel like just giving up. How many times have you been uh, on an automated phone system trying to pay a bill and they keep sending you in circles or you're trying to get tech support for your computer and it's just so frustrating and you end up just saying, forget it, and you log off the chat. I know I've been there. It's pretty frustrating. Um, You might feel like you just want to give up. But the opposite action, of course, is to try even harder. Take a nice deep breath. Use one of the uh, stress reduction tools. Use a mindfulness tool. And have yourself stay there and complete whatever it is that you're trying to give up on. You will feel a lot better afterwards knowing that you persevered in the face of absolute frustration. Um, when you're feeling betrayed, you're, might, you, you're gonna feel hurt. You may think about getting revenge. You might have an urge to get revenge somehow. And of course, the opposite action to that is forgiveness and loving kindness. And sometimes it's a huge struggle to do that, depending on the level of hurt. Um, we might want, we might have the urge to expose them, get revenge somehow to make them feel what we feel. But that's not helpful to you or anybody else. Um, It actually just leaves your heart full of anger and anger and stress. And that makes you sick. So don't make yourself sick. Choose your battles. Learn to just forgive. If you're feeling worthless, you may have an urge to self-harm. You may have um, passive or active thoughts of suicide. The opposite action is to go help others. Go volunteer at a homeless shelter. Go do something good, charitable for other people. Go help somebody else. And in turn, that's going to help you feel better. Um, If you're feeling fear, you might have the urge to run away and avoid what you're afraid of. 
which we all know reinforces anxiety, right? So the opposite action is to stay and face it and do what is fearful. And the more you do that, the less anxiety you're going to have and you're going to master a really cool tool for reducing stress and anxiety. When you're feeling guilty, you might have an urge to repair the transgression. The opposite action is to do what makes you feel guilty or ashamed. That's an interesting um, explanation on this worksheet, huh? When you're feeling shame, you might have the urge to hide. The opposite action is go out in public, go be around people, and love yourself. Don't be ashamed. Show yourself compassion. All right, so I'm going to end that, end it on that for today. And um, next time we will talk about chain analysis of behavior and how you can identify chain analysis of behavior to help change how you respond to stressful events. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful day. Thank you.